Oh, good morning. Welcome. I'm Pastor Allen. Um, the children are kind of a hard act to follow, but um, that's, that's uh, my fate for this morning, I guess. Uh, we do series of topics, and this series we've been in for whew, six weeks or so is what makes you happy. We're finishing up today. Today's topic is You're Not Enough, and if you missed one and want to go back and hear it, it is, uh, the audios are on our website. <clears throat> So since this is the last one, I thought we'd review a little bit the beginning, uh, for especially the things we'd covered the first two weeks. So we asked, start off the question, what makes you happy? That's a serious question. In the first week, we had an answer. Who remembers the answer? No thing. No thing. All right. Happiness is really about relationships. It's not about stuff. Uh, if you've got good relationships, you're pretty happy. If you don't have good relationships, you're probably not very happy. It's about no thing. Things can bring a little bit of uh, happiness, temporary happiness, but uh, uh, true lasting happiness comes from no thing. And then week two, we covered the second answer, which was what? Sewing, sewing. Now, this is really critical. It's really important because when do you want to be happy? Now, right? Everybody wants to be happy now. And the problem is now... You can't make yourself happy now. You can do things in the past that makes you happy now, or you can do things now that make you happy in the future. If you're a farmer or ever planted anything, you know if you sow it today, you can't reap it today. You can't harvest it today. There's a time delay. Uh, so you've got to sow for it. You've got to plan for it. You've got to prepare for it. You've got to do stuff now to be happy later. If you're happy now, you must have done things previously to make you happy, meaning... Probably one of the things we're going to talk about today. And if you're not happy now, you weren't doing those things in the past. If you're not happy now, it's probably not about right now. It's about something that's happened. So, that's a quick review. And uh, we talked about some other things about pleasure and about money. And those, you can go back and listen to those. This is probably one of the most important ones that we're going to finish up. And today's topic is a little counterintuitive. Um, especially if you're not experienced, if you're not a Jesus follower, you're glad that you're here, but you don't have to be a Jesus follower to experience what we're going to talk about today. And if you've experienced this, this will be a reminder uh, to each of us about how to be happy. <clears throat> so let's start off with the negative. <laughs> as long as you are all about you, you won't be happy. And part of the problem is that the question we asked to begin this series, right? What makes me happy, all right? So the focus seems to be on me and my happiness. And so part of the problem is that. So, but as long as it's all about you, you won't be happy. Another way to say that is you can't fulfill you. You can't make yourself happy. You can't be fulfilled. You can't be contented. You can't feel like you had a satisfied life if it's all about you. <clears throat> Even if you have everything you way you want, you have the perfect job, the job you love, the job you always wanted, if you have great health, uh, physically you look just like you want, uh, facial features and body shape, etc. You've got all the money you want, you've got the house you want, you've got the car you want, uh, you've got the wife or husband you want, you've got the kids you want, you've got all the stuff you want, all right? If you have all that you want, you still won't be happy. Another way to say that is you can't acquire, consume, and exercise your way to happiness. 
But we try, don't we? Uh, more and more stuff will make me more and more happy. We talked about that one week. Uh, consuming stuff, doing stuff, going places, etc., etc. Uh, that's make me happy. Or exercising. Getting your body exactly where you want it, uh, etc. And we look at people that seem to do this. They seem happy because they've consumed and consumed and consumed, or they seem happy because they acquired and they acquired and they acquired. They seem happy because they, you know, they've got their body exactly like they want it. And so we look around and say, well, you know, that, that person's got the, you know, the, the ideal spouse, and that person's got the ideal job, and that person's got the ideal looks, and so forth. And what we come up with is what we might call a composite person. A composite person. There's no person out there that we say, ah, I want their whole life. But I would like to have their job and their car and their spouse and their kids, etc. And so we become discontented with our car, our house, our spouse, our kids. And again, it's not just one person. Is there a person you'd like to trade places with? I don't think so. Then there's no person I would want to change places with. But I would like maybe have, you know, <laughs> that house or that car or, or whatever. So, and I'm all for self-improvement. I think you should take care of yourself. I try and take care, take care of my body, etc. But that in itself will not make you happy. Now, you know what a composite person is? A composite person is a monster. And we have another name for that. We call him a Frankenstein, right? Uh, that's a composite person. Took part some other people and put them together. Now, does Frankenstein exist? <laughs> no, composite people don't exist. They're made up in our head. <clears throat> and so we think if I could have this from that person, this from that person, that person, I'd be happy. And the, you know what the really strange thing is? Somebody is looking at you saying, if I only had their house or their car or their spouse or their kids. And you're thinking the same thing about somebody else. So that's the negative side. Here's the positive side. Again, this is going to be counterintuitive. You can serve and volunteer your way there or your way to happiness. You can't consume it your way there. You can't uh, acquire your way there. You can't exercise your way there. But you can serve and volunteer your way there. Now, some of you are sitting there thinking, Pastor, you don't know what you're talking about. You wanted to speak for six weeks on this topic. You ran out of topics, so you just threw this crazy one in there. No, 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 no. So just bear with me for a minute. And again, this is not a Jesus thing. This is a, a people thing. You can go online and research this stuff. All right, so I'm going to share some of it with you. <clears throat> University of Chicago study. Trying to discover what are the most satisfying jobs that people have. All right? And here's the list they came up with. This is the top four, all right? If you're in a job care, that cares for people, like, uh, like a nurse, or you work in some kind of care provider, all right? People that do that. Maybe you take care of children. People that do that, that was the number one most satisfying job. Now, this assumes you make enough money to live on, all right? If you're at poverty level, it doesn't matter what kind of job you have, you're probably going to be happy. But if you got enough money to live, have a house and car and food to eat, that was the most satisfying career. Second one, second most satisfying career, teaching. We've got some teachers here. <laughs> teaching. I consider myself a teacher, but you don't have to be actually a teacher teacher. 
You could be a mentor or you could be volunteering, helping, teaching somebody or passing on a trade or whatever. Anytime that sharing your knowledge with somebody else, that is the second most satisfying career. The third was protecting others, like firemen and policemen and people like like that. all through, what do these three, three jobs have in common, these three types of professions? They're all about serving others, giving your life away to others. Now, the fourth one is interesting. Uh, creative pursuits. If you're artistic, if you're musical, etc., that, uh, that type of career was also uh, satisfying. Now, this is not an, uh, an American thing. In the UK, they did this study over 20 years, combined 40 different studies. So this is a huge study of a group of people over a long period of time. And here's what they came up with. The connection between volunteering, health, and happiness. People that volunteer on a regular basis have less depression, less heart disease, so it affects you mentally or emotionally, it affects you physically, less stress, Teenagers that volunteer regularly. Parents, if you have teenagers. Less drug use and less unplanned pregnancies. And you know the fascinating thing about the study was? Even if you force your kids to do it. Even if they hate doing it. Even if you've got to force them to do it. Still saw the benefits of volunteering. Less depression, heart disease, stress, drug use, and unplanned pregnancy. So the flip side, the positive side of this would be what? Well, volunteering makes you psychologically well-being. You're emotionally stable. You have better physical health. You have better self-esteem, feel better about yourself. You live longer and you live better. Uh, this, the list are endless. Give you one more. There's cancer, cancer study. Five things that can fight cancer, prevent cancer in your life. And one of them was serving or mentoring or volunteering. So it pumps up your immune system to volunteer. I can't explain it. That's just what the, the statistics te- teach us or tell us. So how can, that, how can that be? How is that possible that by not focusing on me, I get all these benefits for me? We can ask it a couple different ways. How can my behaving selflessly make myself happier? Because again, this is counterintuitive. I want to make myself happy. I work on me, right? And this is saying, no, I work on you. Another way is how can emptying myself leave me feeling so full? Now, uh, some of you volunteer here. Um, some of you volunteer lots of other places. And some of you come during the week. Some of you were at the, the children's ministry. There's ladies here all this week redoing the children's ministry once a month. All these new decorations. Uh, some of you come early Sunday morning, get the stuff on the screen ready, and get the cafe ready, and get the classrooms ready. And some of you stay afterwards to take care of stuff. Personally, Sunday is my that favorite day is my busiest day. It's the day I'm the most tired at the end of the day. And it's also the day I am most satisfied. And you know this too, most of you. Now, some of you don't know this. Some of you think I'm crazy. <laughs> but the statistic proved me right. And we're going to look at what uh, uh, Paul wrote. Uh, 
It says, hey, this works. Now, some of the pushback about volunteering is this. I don't have time, right? We're all really busy. Well, all these statistics and all these studies are true. You don't have the time not to, do you? You don't. So how, how is it possible? How is it possible that serving and helping others and volunteering can make me happy? And here's, I think, the answer. Divine design. God made us that way. I, I don't know any other answer. God made us to have open hands. Made us to whatever comes in our way to pass it on, to share, whether it's time, energy, money, whatever. That's the way to be happy. And in the New Testament, it's all these one another's. Love one another, serve one another, forgive one another, bear one another's burdens, etc., etc., etc. Because that is the way that God wired us. He wired us for community, as we say. Now, those of you who are parents or those of you who work with kids, do you have to teach kids to be selfish? Yes or no? <laughs> no, you don't have to teach kids to be selfish. But that was not God's design. What happened? Well, when sin entered the world, we became broken. All right? This design got broken. And so instead of being selfless, we became selfish. And the way we've been talking about in the series is that sin separates. Sin separates. Think about it this way. Do you love to be around selfish people? Hey, that, I, I just love hanging out with that selfish guy. I just love hanging out with that selfish gal. And that's my favorite person to hang out with. Now, what does selfishness do? It pushes us apart, doesn't it? And those of you that serve together, we have a couple of ministries, the church, uh, Tabitha's Table is a food bank, and Micah's Pack Pack, Feeding Kids. And the people that work on those work as a team, work together, and you just see the joy that comes as, as a group activity. And anytime you and I have challenges in our relationships, challenges with our spouse, kids, other people, whatever, Sin has been involved. Now, it can be the biblical sense of sin, or it can be just somebody did something that you or the other person considered wrong, whether it's moral, immoral, or not. Somebody considered it wrong, and it disrupted your relationship. It separated you from that person. It pushed you apart. So what sin has done is separate us into our own self-centered worlds. And it's really fascinating when you think about it. Uh, so I'm selfish, I'm pushing people away, so I wind up isolated. Are we happy when we're isolated? No, we're happy when we're connected. We're happy when we're in community. So we fall for the lie when I'm selfish, when I focus on me, when I do it for me, it's going to make me happy when as my selfishness is isolating me, pushing other people away. So if you want to be happy, I'm put this on the screen, you've got to find a way to give yourself away. Now think about the people you know that are happy. And I'm going to pick on the person I know the best. <laughs> Most of you know my wife. She gives herself away more than any person I know. And she's also the happiest person I know. Would you agree with me? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't have any farther to look than my spouse for the perfect example. And I've learned a lot from her over the years. I'm a happier person today than uh, I was 40 years ago. 
believe it or not, 40 years. But anyway, <laughs> this month, next month. And these folks have uh, just this peace about them. And they're exhausted, my wife is anyway, often. But there's a sense of peace, there's a sense of joy, there's a sense of happiness. Why? Because that's the way God wired us, created us, designed us. Now we're going to look at something Paul wrote. Paul wrote a bunch of letters to a bunch of uh, non-Jewish believers kind of over the Mediterranean rim. And this one is a place uh, in the Roman province of Galatia. And we call it the letter to the Galatians. And there's some theological stuff in here, but what I really want to focus on is he gives us two approaches to life. And he, 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 he uh, gives us lists to describe these, these lives. He gives us details. And so we're going to start in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Now that's one approach to life, okay? It's one option. Then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. That's the other approach. That's the other option. Now, if you're a Jesus follower, <clears throat> we all struggle. He's going to talk about the struggle we have with these, between these two things. Which force, which is most powerful? And when we're struggling, what do we think? <laughs> but in reality, we know that there's no comparison. The Holy Spirit is much more powerful than the sinful nature, isn't it? That's really important to remember when we're in a struggle. Because we feel sometimes we can't not do it, don't we? So he goes on to describe some more detail, this, this contrast. The sinful nature wants to do evil, wants to be selfish, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. So these aren't two kind of parallel gray areas. These are two extremes. And that's the options. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite to the sinful nature desires. So these are opposites. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. So we have the struggle, and we can't always do what we want to do. <clears throat> so if you're struggling in some area of your life, you're struggling in some relationship, this is what's at work. Now, what we try and do is fix it ourselves. We try and grit our teeth and do it. And how well does that work? So where is the power? Is the power within us? In me? Can I do it? Well, he goes on to talk about it some more. He says, but when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not, you, know, you are no, not under obligation to the law of Moses. See, that's, that's legalism. I can do this, or I can't do this, or I will do this, or I won't do this. Can you keep the law? Can you always do what's right? Anybody? No, we can't keep it anyway, right? So he said the the, the goal isn't to try and, and force yourself to keep all the laws, all the rules. That doesn't work anyway. I, we call it willpower, but it's not really willpower. I call it will weakness, right? Because willpower always runs out. <laughs> the power always runs out, and then you, you're weak. You, you, you give in. So now he's going to give us a detailed description of both options. And he starts off with the negative. When you follow the desires of the sinful nature, the results are very clear. So this isn't kind of confusing again, or gray area. Pretty clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, that's putting anything before God, sorcery, getting involved in uh, you know, super, other supernatural things, hostility, quarreling, gets really kind of personal here. Most of us can relate. Jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, 
wild parties. And just in case you think that's an exhaustive list, it's not. <laughs> These are just examples. And anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's not a description of a Jesus follower. That's a description of a, a selfish person. That's not a description of a selfless party. And anybody that lives that way, is, their pleasure comes at somebody else's expense. Always. So why doesn't this work? Well, it's con- why we talked about, I think, this last week, about appetites. Appetites are never fully satisfied. Even legitimate ones like hunger and thirst, right? You eat and drink, and then a little while later, you, you need to do it again. But the other problem with appetites is the more you feed them, the bigger they get, right? We talked about that last week, the law of diminishing returns. So it takes more and more to satisfy that appetite. So it's kind of self-defeating, isn't it? So you can't be happy because you're on this treadmill of trying to feed this appetite. Anytime you are at the center of your world, you will not be happy. Now, can you just ignore this and say, nah, I'll just go on with my life? No. (laughs) You're going to be living this one life or, or the other. So what's the other option? Well, he tells us. Well, he started off and told us. The Holy Spirit produces a a kind of fruit in our lives that is different than this, and he's going to give it to us when you follow desires or when you defile those other things that we just talked about. Now, when you do that, when you follow the sinful nature, you, you figure it out eventually it's not working. It's not making you happy. It's frustrating you. In fact, it may be making you angry. And so... Paul says you just need to relax. Even if you're trying to do right, you don't grit your teeth and try the, the, the willpower thing. So what's the key? Here's the key. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life. Now notice the word fruit is singular. Now, years ago when I used to teach this, I went, well, yeah, 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 I do pretty good in the joy and peace area, but I, boy, I have terrible patience. No, 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 no. When the Spirit of God is directing your life and control of your life, you demonstrate all these things, okay? Not just pick and choose. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You say, not my will, but yours be done. Not my power, not my willpower, God, but your power. And then, who produces this in your life? You don't produce it. God produces. You cooperate with God to produce these Uh, this fruit in our lives. And then he says this fascinating thing. There is no law against these things. All right. Can you make a law against love? Can you make a law against kindness? Can you make a law against gentleness? On the flip side, can you force somebody to be kind? Or can you force somebody to be gentle? Or force somebody to be faithful? See, these don't happen by laws. Can you imagine a family that is governed by these principles? We'd all love to be in that family, wouldn't we? This is what you and I were designed to live by. It's the way God wired us. Can you imagine a society governed by these principles? 
I thought about this. What would the police be doing? And here's what I came up with. You know, we had those four-way stops. The police wouldn't have to be there because I would be sitting there saying, oh, you go first. And you would stay there. We'd have traffic jams, but it's because you wouldn't go because you'd want me to go first and I wouldn't go because I'd want you to go first. That's about all the police would have to do. In a society governed by these principles, you wouldn't need laws, would you? You wouldn't need them. Anyway, a couple more verses and we'll move on. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of the sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. So, moment by moment, daily, you need to say, I am dead to the sinful nature. Now, (laughs) in reality, we still struggle with it, right? But the point is this, you can say no. You ever felt like, no, I can't say no? (laughs) If you're a Jesus follower, you're living by the Holy Spirit, you can say no in any given situation to the sinful nature because that power is greater. And then he finishes up, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. What do we do? Well, I'm a Jesus follower at church, I'm a Jesus follower at home, but eh, at work, not so much. (laughs) Right? Or in my recreational life, not so much. And we compartmentalize, and the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 no. You can't compartmentalize. In fact, you know who the most unhappy people are? They are Jesus followers that try and compartmentalize their lives. Because if you're not a Jesus follower, there is a certain pleasure in just kind of doing your own thing and living for yourself, living selfishly. (laughs) But if you're a Jesus follower and you try and live selfishly, you're miserable. You're the most unhappy people. Now, if the studies haven't convinced you and if Paul hasn't convinced you, let me try one more approach to convince you that this is true. How do we measure the value of a life? Think about when you go to a funeral or memorial service. Do people get up and say things like, wow, that guy was the most immoral person I ever knew. He was just angry all the time. He uh, just was hateful. He was jealous. He was envious. He got drunk all the time. Wow, we really need to celebrate this guy's life. Ever been to a funeral? I've never been. Maybe, Maybe it happens. But that's not how we value life. And would you describe that person as a happy person? Yeah, none of us would. So the value of a life is always measured by how much of it is given away. I was just at a memorial service a couple weeks ago. And it was a long one. <laughs> I guess the longer they are, you can tell how, how well the person did at this. And people got up and talked about this person, about how she gave her life away. That was something to celebrate. You want to be happy? Got to figure out a way to give your life away. And not just once. Oh, I volunteered once. (laughs) This has to be a lifestyle. Now, one more illustration. Um, Who knows what that is? Picture of. That's called the Dead Sea. The Salt Sea. It's in the Holy Lands. It's the only body of water like that I know of. I mean, there might be some somewhere else. This most famous one. Now, the Sea of Galilee is kind of in the north of Israel. And that's kind of a resort area. And, of course, people go fishing there. It's teeming with life. Different streams of water pour into the Sea of Galilee. And then the Sea of Galilee 
is connected to the Salt Sea or Dead Sea by the Jordan River. You all heard of Jordan River? And it's like 87 miles. So this water goes down to the Jordan River, to the Dead Sea, and then it doesn't go anyplace else. So water comes in, no water goes out, and it's dead. No life there. Now the other fascinating thing is that the Dead Sea is shrinking, getting smaller. All right, so we've got water coming in, no water going out, and the, the sea is shrinking. Now, I have no explanation for that, but I know this. In your life and my life, when it's all about us, when we're taking in, we're consuming, and not giving, our lives shrink. They become less significant, and we become unhappy. So if it's all about you, you'll never be happy. Research proves it. God designed us that way. You need more than you. You were designed by the giver of life to give your life away. So happy is the man, happy is the woman, happy is this husband, wife, couple, teenager that finds a way to systematically give their life away. A lifestyle. Now, finish here in a minute and let you all go. But I want to take a minute here at the end to, to thank all of you folks that volunteer. Not just here, but especially here. We couldn't do what we do without you. Uh, stuff on the screen, the stuff in the cafe, the stuff in the children's ministry, and on and on. The wagon ride, and some of you at the uh, Stephen Craft show, at the Bloom Bounce, uh, other events we have. Couldn't happen without you. So I want to thank you. Our ministry couldn't be what it is without you. But I also want to say thank you because I know that you have a joy, a happiness. Otherwise you wouldn't do it, would you? You wouldn't do it. And you are making a tremendous difference. You'll never know. And I'll never know the difference you make. So, give your life away. Be happy people. Let's pray. By the way, I'm going to dismiss you after this prayer. Uh, children are coming back in to sing. So folks, uh, they collect the cards. Can you just kind of stand at the end of the rows and let people turn those in? All right. Thank you. Let's, let's pray. Thank you, God, that you know better than us how we're designed. And we fall for the lie that, hey, I want to be happy. I've got to focus on me. I've got to do what I want to do. Uh, it doesn't work that way. And we got lots of parents here. Who would choose to be a parent? You have to give your life away for eight, well, not just 18 years, for the rest of your life when you choose to have children. Why would anybody do that? Because there is a joy in giving your life for other people. And nobody knows it better than you, Jesus. You died for us. God, I just pray for these folks. I thank you again for all the volunteers we have. Uh, we always need more, and I'm not here to recruit people today, but... Uh, um, that's where happiness comes. So God, give us wisdom to figure out how and when and where and what to volunteer and to serve and to give our lives away. Give us that wisdom. 
And for anyone here that's not a Jesus follower, again, we're glad that you're here. We pray that today would be the day just up across that line, that Jesus was your example. He died for us so that we could be forgiven and connected to God. Would you uh, give your life to Him and, and serve Him? Uh, you can just do that by saying, yes, Jesus. Uh, God, take that life or those lives and begin to transform them. Uh, let your spirit produce that fruit in their lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, etc. Thank you, God, for allowing us this opportunity to gather in your name this morning. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.